welcome to another episode of Everyday Nutrition. I'm your host, Dr. Karina Tobin. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Everyday Nutrition. I'm your host, Dr. Karina Tobin. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Orla O'Sullivan, um, who is an expert on all things exercise and gut. So Orla, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me, Karina. Um, I suppose just give listeners a little bit of an intro into your expertise, I suppose would be a great place to start, please. Yeah, um, I'm uh, my degree is in biochemistry and I ended up doing a PhD in computational biology, um, which is basically data analytics of biological data. So whether it be DNA sequences or protein structure. Um, and as I finished my PhD, the um, age of the microbiome had arrived um, and this was fascinating to me and being able to be a computational biologist with this much biological data available was just a dream come true. So I um, I work for Chagas Food Research Centre, which is the Irish government um, food and agricultural research body. And I'm also a principal investigator with Vista Milk and a funded investigator with APC Microbiome Ireland, which are SS Science Foundation Ireland research centres, which have a heavy focus on the microbiome in food and health as well. Wow. Um, that's amazing. Um, so I suppose a good place to start really is about what is, the, if you can explain to listeners, like what is the microbiome exactly and how does yeah. that impact health or performance? Yes, yeah, so we are surrounded by microbes. And I think when people think of microbes, they think of bacteria, but microbes aren't just bacteria. When we discuss microbes, we're talking about fungi, bacteria, archaea, um, viruses, eukaryotes. And what the microbiome is, is the community of these microbes that live together. So microbiomes are in every part of the world and in and on every surface. And in the human body, they live on our skin and in every organ and every orifice of the human body. But the vast majority of the microbes in humans are in the gut. And the, I suppose the, this community profile is unlike our own genome in that we can change it. So it's malleable and it's shaped from when you were born. So the mode of delivery that you're that you come into the world in, if you're a C-section or a vaginal birth, will shape your initial microbiome. And also then the uh, how you're fed, whether you're breastfed or formal left fed, will influence your microbiome. And in I suppose the archetypical or the the best way to shape your microbiome is to be vaginally born and breastfed, which you don't get to choose. But um, as you go through adulthood, your microbiome becomes more stable. And then when you enter your elderly years, this stability starts to reverse again and it becomes more malleable. But almost every aspect of modern lifestyle can shape your gut microbiome. Your diet is something that daily changes your microbiome. Uh, antibiotics will detrimentally alter your microbiome, as will many other medications. And then you have things that will preferentially alter your microbiome for for the heifer for the good and that would be like probiotics prebiotics fermented foods um your age your the environment you live in and your your own host genetics these all shape the microbiome in in some way or form so we can use as we gain more knowledge about the microbiome we can use this to our advantage to to kind of improve our own health 
Okay. And is, so is there such thing then as, or can we say that there is, someone might have a good microbiome and a bad microbiome? Yeah, well, what we don't know yet is what makes up a healthy microbiome. So it's not only the the microbes that make up your micro make up the microbiome that's important, it's how they function. So each one of these microbes will have a set of functions, but there's what we call functional redundancy. So you could have two very different microbes, so microbes, but they perform the same functions. And just be like just because you have one and not the other doesn't mean you have an unhealthy microbiome. So it's not more so the profile of your microbes; it's their function that's more important than than what you have in there. And like these microbes, they are intrinsic to our human health. So the gut microbes will play a role in digestion of food, in hormone production, hormone regulation, in sleep patterns, mood regulation, uh, satiety. And they play a huge role in immunity as well. So it's really important to keep your, your gut healthy in order to keep yourself healthy. Okay. And I suppose from my perspective in nutrition, I would then focus on, you know, fiber rich foods. Yes. And that's one thing that we can control really besides the fact, you know, but sometimes we can't control that we may need an antibiotic, but obviously then the, 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 thing, the aspect that you're interested in is exercise. Yeah, and I suppose, like, while I said that we don't know what makes a healthy microbiome per se, what we do know is diversity is key. So the more different types of microbes that you have in your gut, the better. So when we discussed it, we kind of use an analogy of the Amazon rainforest versus the Sahara Desert. So if you have the Amazon rainforest, you have all these species, all these different types of um entities working together, and they all perform different functions, and then you get a healthy environment. Whereas if you think of the Sahara Desert, it's a very sparse, very few species of anything there. And so it doesn't really perform much function. So the similarly with your gut microbiome, you want a Sahara rainforest. So you want loads of different types of microbes, all with very subtly different types of functions that will keep you healthy. And the best way to keep your microbes healthy are to, to ha- is to have a diversity in your diet. Diet is the biggest driver of the diversity in your gut. So if you have a diverse diet, you're going to have a diverse microbiome. And the reason for this basically is that the more different types of food, so the more fibers you have, the more carbs, the more proteins that you have in your diet, the more different types of microbes you need to break down these foods. So the key here is diversity in diet. And what we were found recently is if if you think about exercise, quite similar to diet, it has this all-profiting you know, effect on the body. It controls gut transit time. It can harm, you know, has inflammatory reaction. It can alter your mood. You know, so again, it has on all body. So it makes sense that exercise would play a role in your gut microbiome. And in 2011, we were really lucky that we got the opportunity to attend uh, a pre-World Cup rugby training camp in Carton House with the IRFU. And what we got, what was so good about this is that we got 40 rugby players in one place at one time. They had a controlled diet. They had controlled exercise plan. We were able to go to their medical team. And what we did is we looked at their microbiome and we compared them to two groups of controls, a high BMI control group and a low BMI control group. And the main reason for having two control groups was that 
the nature of a rugby team. So you'd have the pack, which would be considered to have a high BMI, and then you'd have the, the backs, which would be lean. So we didn't want to have BMI as a confounder. And when we compared their microbiomes, what we saw is that athletes had significantly higher diversity in their microbiome compared to controls. We'd never seen such high diversity in a human cohort as we saw in these athletes. And when we looked to see what was possibly driving this diversity, what we found is that this high diversity correlated with fitness or and or protein intake. So the higher the protein intake, the higher the diversity or the higher the level of fitness, the, the higher the diversity. Now, we were using an enzyme called creatine kinase as a proxy for fitness. And this enzyme is released from muscles post-injury or post-exercise. And what we found is the higher this enzyme was in the blood, then the higher the diversity of the microbiome. And obviously, this is just a correlation. We can't definitively say that one causes or another. At the moment, it's just a statistical observation. Yeah, because I, I, I found this study fascinating because of creatine kinase. Um, so just to backtrack on the, on the BMI, so because... Traditionally, obviously, um, if you actually put the height and weight of a rugby mm-hmm. player into the BMI scale calculator, they will be obese and in some instances more yeah. obese. So that's yeah. why you guys wanted to make sure that this wasn't a factor that was going exactly. to be yeah, a factor in your consideration of why they might have a diverse microbiome. And then I think the, the interesting part was the creatine kinase. So when we as like, you know, when I work with athletes, if we're looking at their bloods and we see high creatine kinase, we immediately kind of think, oh, they're not recovering properly, that it's a negative thing. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really interesting that you guys found that they had a very high creatine kinase level, which would indic- indicate lots of inflammation, but yet they had reduced inflammation. Yeah, they had a very low inflammatory tone. So we thought that what we were going to see when we compared the inflammatory markers of the athletes compared to the controls that the athletes would have a very high inflammatory marker but they didn't um and I guess the use of creatine kinase kind of came about because how were we going we had no way to compare the fitness level of a rugby player compared to the fitness level of a non-athlete like the standard way that we would normally do would be to you know number of steps or number of stairs climbed hours of activity like gardening but you can't compare that when it's a rugby player versus a control and we just came across this paper that was looking at endurance athletes and they used CK as as a marker and we were when we went over our controls then in our low BMI control group we had um, a couple of inter-county GAA players and two people that one person had previously had recently run a marathon and another one was a triathlete so they were quite very fit controls and their CK levels were very high as well so to us it it came across as a very good proxy for fitness yeah and we did do DEXA scans on everybody as well to to almost you know rule out BMI as well so we had lean body mass and we had waist hip ratio but none of those were a confounder or um, a marker of microbial diversity or microbial health either okay so what do you do like can you take from that then that the microbiome play a role in actually reducing inflammation even though the ck levels were high 
Well, what we kind of thought was that this was a chronic adaptation to a lifetime of fitness. So it wasn't that these were, it was exercise was causing, was making anything. It was, these were fit, you know, so it was, they were fit and healthy and had adapted to constant exercise as opposed to somebody just going out and taking on a training plan where you would see high inflammatory markers because it's a new introduction into whether it's the microbes that are playing a role or it's the host genetics that are, are balancing it out. We don't know. Okay. Because you recently did a paper, your more recent paper, then you compared a triathlete, the gut microbiome of a triathlete and a marathoner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what we did in, in between those two studies actually was that we wanted to see, could we train a non-athlete to become more like an athlete? So can you train your gut microbes to become fitter or to become healthier? So we took um, couch potatoes. So previous, people who hadn't done exercise in the previous six months, they had high BMIs. Um, and we wanted to see basically, was it fitness or exercise or protein that was driving this change in athletes? So we split them into three groups. We put one on um, a protein, so whey protein supplements every day. Another group that did um, an exercise plan, so similar energy expenditure to a couch to 5K. And the other group did a combination of the two. And it was an eight-week intervention. And over the course of the eight weeks, we saw no change in the gut microbiome at all. No increase in diversity in any of the groups. And then this led us to believe that it's a hypothesis that it's fitness that matters. It's not exercise. You know, that's why I say a short spurt of exercise is not enough to train your microbes. And this is why the athletes were so fit, had such a good inflammatory tone and such diversity in their microbes. It's because they had a chronic adaptation of fitness. Okay. And that led us to the six months, the, the, um, the triathlete and the marathon runner in that, Eight weeks wasn't long enough for us to to see a difference. And um, if you're doing any kind of interventional trial, it's very hard to get people to partake past eight weeks. You know, people stick to a plan for that length of time and then your adherence to that plan drops off. So that's why we went, these are called N of one studies. So where you follow one person over the course of six months and you do a real in-depth analysis of that person. So we did an N of two. So we had two people, both with high BMIs, both previously unfit. And one of them trained to do um, a marathon and the other was to do an Olympic distance triathlon. And what we saw is when we mapped their microbial diversity over time, when they were at their fittest, their diversity was highest in their microbes. So as they got fitter, their microbes got healthier and also specific microbes that would be associated that had previously been demonstrated to increase as in athletes started to increase in these two people. So we have the likes of acromantia, um, which has been previously shown to be increased in, in athletes and Vianella. And these all increased as these people got fitter. And also the metabolites that these microbes were producing that have been demonstrated to be increased in athletes started to increase in these in these two individuals as well. So if you are a sedentary person, it's not that exercise won't change or increase the diversity of your microbiome. It's that it's going to take up to six months to do Yeah, so. like ex- taking on an exercise plan is never a bad thing. You know, it may not rapidly change your gut micro- microbial health, but what it will do is it'll 
improve your overall health. And then as a consequence of that, your microbial diversity will increase. Yeah. And and back to the strains that I won't even try to uh, pronounce them well, <laughs> uh, that you talked about there. What do like what is their benefit to the athletes? So there was a study that came out of Harvard, I think it was 2019 now. Um, and what they looked at is in marathon runners. So immediately post-marathon running, they recorded an influx of this um, bacteria called Vianella. And what they demonstrated then, so they took the Vianella out of them and put it into an animal model. And what they showed is that this Vianella was aiding muscle recovery. So it was rich producing a metabolite called lactate, which is a, a short chain fatty acid. So it was, they were hypothesizing that this Vianella was improving performance and enhancing it that way. And then you have another um, one that I mentioned, acromantia, and that's associated with leanness. And it um, also produces this, um, these metabolites called short chain fatty acids, which are hugely beneficial to all our health. So short chain fatty acids improve digestion. They harvest energy quicker from the diet. And they improve brain plasticity. But I think why short-chain fatty acid producers are increased in athletes is that they ha- they're doing that. They're improving energy turnover and allowing the athletes to get the energy from their diet quicker. Okay. And what you'll also see then is not specifically um, microbes, but you'll see metabolites. So these, these chemicals that the microbes are producing in athletes will be increased and these will be related to muscle turnover to protein degradation and, ten- and so they they are helping the athletes in in recovery and in in the, subsequently in performance okay and do you think this will become a tool in another few years you know you do you think like getting your microbiome checked or analyzed by scientists like you guys will be something that athletes will use to, I suppose, give them an extra edge or figure out, you know, how can I change it again for some type of a performance benefit? Yeah, I think there's a lot more research needs to be done. I mean, what we've also looked at is that depending on the type of sport that you play, there's very subtle differences. So, you know, we looked at, you know, our big study, very focused studies on rugby players, but we also looked at the Irish Olympic team that went to Rio and we were able to see that depending on sport, there was very different, there was subtle differences in in how the microbes between those groups and how the metabolites that they were producing and the diversity was very slightly different. So you need to know, like it will be very much, a personalized program so you'll be like almost like personalized nutrition it'll be tailored to the type of sport you're doing the amount of energy you need to expend but I definitely think not only in in for athletes but for for everybody in general that you know to look at your overall health profiling your microbiome will become part of everyday life and and everyday health checks yeah so if we talk about the athlete first because I definitely want to talk about you know us mere mortals as well um, but if we were to talk about the athlete, do you think like it would be something like, you know, for a typical, we'll say triathlete or a typical marathoner, these are kind of the strains that you should have, or this is the amount of activity that you should have. And if you don't have it, then you will be given either exercise and or diet kind of. I think it'll be, 
I think it'll be down the line of fueling your sport. So in order to, to fuel your sport, then you eat the foods that will develop these microbes. Like, And then you'll need to. So if you're not eating enough as an athlete, then you're not your microbes are going to drop. So, you know, I think a lot of athletes. Well, you know, I, I'm not a sports scientist or a nutritionist, but, you know, particularly endurance sports, they're not eating enough to fuel their microbes. And, and what that'll do is if your microbial diversity drops then your overall health is going to drop and that's going to affect your performance so it's so important to to keep your diet healthy and keep yourself healthy to keep your microbes healthy and that'll all help in your performance yeah so low carb then would not be low carb low fiber would not be a great diet well I, I suppose yeah I'm not I'm not a nutritionist so it's the the big thing that we saw I suppose is that high protein correlated with uh, high microbial diversity but I think diversity in your diet so like unprocessed foods healthy diversity in your food is what is key and I think cutting out any food group I mean as a nutritionist I don't think it's ever a good idea to to cut out any food group but diversity is key yeah exactly um and then for like the you know for us I suppose normal people who are just trying to you know do a bit of exercise eat healthier um do you again like I suppose how do you kind of see or is it more for people who may have gut issues or immune issues that they would then go on to I suppose get their microbiome checked in order to overcome these illnesses and diseases yeah well I don't think we know enough about what a healthy microbiome is per se to to know that we can prescribe stuff based on microbiome profiles at the moment but there is certain diseases that you are associated with low microbial diversity you know you have ulcerative colitis and IBDs IBS and they'd all have a major microbial driver Uh, I think the most important thing in any of these diseases again is to maintain a healthy lifestyle healthy diet and it with an aim to driving microbial gut microbial health um, I suppose one very interesting study that we did um, was we followed um, Cricket Ireland as they were travelling um, to to compete and they were travelling, I guess, to India, Sri Lanka, uh, Dubai. So, And what was happening is they were changing their diet hugely. And when we looked at the micro, their microbiome, they had a huge influx of antimicrobial resistance genes, which are never a good thing to see. But when we looked at the people who were acquiring these antimicrobial resistance genes, it was people who'd suffered bouts of gastrointestinal stress or, you know, deli belly when they were traveling. And in the people who reported deli belly, they had this big influx of antimicrobial resistance genes that persisted eight weeks, 12 weeks when they traveled home. So, you know, this is the importance of maintaining good diet to maintain so the people who didn't get sick who didn't get deli but didn't have this acquisition of antimicrobial resistance genes so when your microbes are under stress they acquire antimicrobial resistance genes so then this is something you want to prevent as well yeah and I suppose that's a that's perhaps then where probiotics may play play a role yeah so I think in a normal person normal person in a regular healthy person who's eating a healthy diet has no GI distress, no report, then probiotics are not really necessary. But if you're after a course of antibiotics, if you're going to be traveling where your diet's going to change, if you're 
um, taking a course of any medication, then to take a prophylactic probiotic alongside your your medication or alongside travel, then I think this will help to prevent your you know any kind of change to your microbiome. What what a lot of studies have shown is that with one course of antibiotics, you get a, a detriment. So you get a decrease in diversity or decrease in specific species in your microbiome but it bounces back very quickly but a lot of the time I guess people have a subsequent course of antibiotics if the first one doesn't work and then if you get a subsequent course of that antibiotics your your microbiome doesn't bounce back as quickly as it should so then you know a case of probiotics then is really important Okay. I think the important part there is that in general, healthy people don't really need a course of antibiotics or a course of probiotics. Yeah, not yeah. at all. No. Yeah. It's not something that you should be, you know, that needs to be part of your daily diet. And in fact, even with probiotics, if you look at fermented foods have been shown to have a similar effect, depending on the the the, the live microbes that are in the fermented food, then including a fermented food in your diet would be more if not but you know as if as if not more beneficial than including a probiotic okay and like I have some clients who come to me and they like I suppose they're being marketed these um you know get your microbiome checked um and basically it's you know do a poo and send it off to us yeah like how it was on group yeah it was on Groupon last week a Groupon (laughs) voucher for microbiome check I saw that yeah there you go. There you go. Business mustn't be too good if they're on Groupon. Um, but uh, how reliable are they, Orla? Well, it's not that they'd be unreliable because you would get the sequence of your, you know, the profile of your microbiome back. But what is that telling you? You know, it's telling you what microbes are there. But, you know, we don't know enough about the microbes and the the exact role they play in healthy people in particular now. So, you know, I think it's just going to tell you what microbes are there. Yeah. But so when, to make health claims on that, we we really don't know enough as a, you know, as a scientific. Now, the knowledge is gaining and we're gaining so much information constantly. And it's just a great time to be involved in microbiome science from a research perspective. We're nearly there, but I don't think it's prescriptive enough yet. Yeah. So you would really need to be like, say, if you had someone who obviously had, you know, was always getting sick, like had an issue with their immune system. You you can't like there's no point in just getting taking a sample, looking at the microbes. You'd nearly want to be taking them, taking a sample and analyzing a sample two or three or four times to see if anything yeah. is changing. Yeah, well, it's a snapshot in time. So it's a specific, you know, if you take your microbiome today. And take it in two weeks, it could be very different. Not, you know, it would be subtly different. Um, yeah. And I think the most important thing is, you know, speak to your your doctor and your GP and, and you know, be guided by what they say. You know, they're the experts in you and the experts in your health and, and not a microbiome profile. I mean, it's fascinating to know what microbes that you have. And um, I think, you know, you can compare it to an athlete or you can compare it to somebody, you know, I think that's some of the services that are offered. And, and it's really cool. But, you know, in isolation, looking at somebody's microbiome profile, you know, we don't know enough yet without knowing the background to the rest of their health and the medications you're on and, you know, how, you know, your lifestyle and you, you need to, you know, you can't look at the microbiome in isolation. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned there earlier that some of the some of the species that you found in athletes, they were related to leanness. Do you yeah. know then on the other side, if there are microbes or lack of microbes that are related to being having more of a 
propensity to be overweight? Yeah, I think the, the the thing there is when you look at studies, it's shown that people who are overweight or suffer from metabolic syndrome tend to have lower diversity than people with leanness. And, you know, it, it's a, like me, obesity, metabolic syndrome. It's a complex disease. You know, um, again, the microbes play a certain role in it. And what we know is acromantia is one particular bacteria that is associated with leanness and it's been shown to be decreased in, in obesity. But again, it's a chicken versus an egg scenario, which comes yeah. first. Are these causative of obesity or there as a consequence of, of obesity? Or metabolic syndrome, you know, it, it's just, again, it, there's so much work going on in it at the moment and it's a fascinating time to be involved, yeah. but um, we're just learning about it still. Yeah, absolutely. As I said to you beforehand, the more I read, you know, the more I read your papers, the more I was going on to read more papers, the more questions you have, but it is fascinating. And I think the biggest thing is that I take out of it again is just coming back to, you know, that you can't just take a probiotic. Uh, mm-hmm. There is no magic pill. It really is about, you know, putting that, you know, coming back to increasing that diversity through diet in particular. But I do think the fact that we can also change it now with long term exercise, we'll say, yeah. is just fascinating. Yeah, I think that's it. And like, you know, having a, a healthy diet and healthy exercise plan is never a bad thing anyway. And, you know, the fact that they're they're improving your your gut health is just an added bonus. Yeah. So to wrap up then, Orla, if, you know, from the chat that we've had, if there was one piece of practical advice you could give to listeners around the gut microbiome, what would it be? A healthy exercise plan, not not a fad fitness plan, but constant chronic exercise and diversity in your diet. Brilliant. Simple, simple advice to give, but not so simple to do it. you You can always start and try. Uh, Listen, thanks a million, Orla. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Nutrition. Please hit subscribe and or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. And please join me on the next episode soon.